This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies for what is, and forgive me, the three-day weekend and having kids go throw me off. I guess this will end up being your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd um, from Browns Digest, formerly Browns Maven through SI.com. Mr. Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Browns wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, Greg Olson, one year contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, good luck on one more year, you know, in the sun, so to speak, before you head off to a probably a pretty solid broadcasting career, but can't blame anybody for trying to stick it out one more year and, you know, good things happen to good franchises should probably work out for Greg as long as he can keep his health there. Uh, Pete, there is a hire here today. Cleveland Browns wise. Uh, Ben Bloom comes in as a senior defensive assistant. You've got some thoughts on this. And, you know, if you have a first time defensive line head coach, um, you have a, you know, a, a linebacker coach with defensive coordinator experience um, it's always good to add to the room and look at as many voices as possible. You know, that's how game plans are put together. And, you know, you, you know, you take the straw poles of the room, everybody works together. There's nothing wrong with a bunch of people voicing their opinion and to reach, you know, as, as we always say is, you know, take the most information at hand to hopefully make the most educated decisions. Uh, ben Bloom is interesting. Uh, he coached, I should say he went to Tufts University, uh, and he was a uh, basically becoming basically working on becoming a history teacher. Uh, was a graduate assistant there, coached defensive line, went to Harvard for a year, so we've got that. Uh, and then he's he was with the Browns in 2009 to 2010. He followed Matt Eberflus to uh, Dallas, and he's been doing a lot of work with uh, linebackers uh, and defensive line there. Most recently, linebackers. So he does a lot of uh, different things that could be of use. It, you know, it, the Browns have announced that they're doing a uh, press conference for Joe Woods and uh, Alex Van Pelt tomorrow. I assume, I hope, somebody will ask him. You know, I, I don't know what he can actually say, but if, if they are planning to bring him in first, and then if they do, what what a, what he they would actually like him to do because. Um, he has done a number of different things that could be interesting in terms of breaking down film, analyzing matchups, but uh, clock management and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, it's a first-time head coach. Uh, that type of thing could be extremely useful. Uh, and the Browns have been, you know, for the most part, not great on clock management. It could certainly improve. So any edge they can get on that front is useful. But it just uh, follows another trend of getting guys who have done a lot of different things. Uh, that can be of use and not being afraid to sort of embrace that. Yeah, I think we're trending closer and closer to if there was a tournament of front office and coaching staff Jeopardy, we maybe win that title. So maybe we got that going for us. But look, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for smart people who've been around the game and see how it all plays out. Um, we're going to start here with, um, you know, combine preview, positional previews. Um, you know, Pete did it last year, but I had a lot of fun with it. We'll do it again. We'll do a pre-combine mock. But, uh, you know, quarterback's position, 
where the interest may lie for this franchise and no to some radio jackasses in the Cleveland area. Um, no, you're not trading Baker Mayfield and number 10 to Cincinnati. Do some work. Stop trying to find ways to people seek you out through hate. Do some goddamn freaking work, people. That's all I ask. Quarterbacks headed to Indy. And look, obviously, this is going to be all of them that end up getting drafted or, you know, guys that we're going to see, you know, in preseasons or to make a roster. Kelly Bryant from Missouri, obviously Joe Burrow. Kevin Davidson, Princeton, always Princeton, guys. Can't go away. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Anthony Gordon, Washington State, obviously Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Brian Lewerke, Jordan Love, Jake Luton um, from Oregon State, Cole McDonald, Hawaii, Stephen Montez, now from Miller, Colorado. James Morgan, Florida International, Shea Patterson, Michigan, Nate Stanley from Iowa, who's actually working with a the quarterback coach he's working for, working with is a former high school rival of mine. So that's kind of interesting. And obviously Tua Tagliavola with an invite. Uh, we all know we're not going to see much of him. Uh, the, the class is interesting. And obviously, you know, for us, part of the reason we're going to cover guys is, you know, Joe Burrow is probably somebody we're going to spend a lot of time talking about here over the next few years. Um, the class itself, it's interesting, but again, you know, I, I think we're both comfortable with saying we're totally okay and content where we were, where we were. Um, if anybody didn't see Brent Soboleski put up a picture, uh, a, a, you know, stats today of, you know, most prolific college quarterback seasons ever. And I believe it was the top 10. Only one name appeared twice as far as two seasons of being most prolific college quarterback ever. He does play for the Cleveland Browns currently. It's a different class, Pete. Um, There's obviously, I think we're all comfortable with, you know, Burrow at one. And for us, it'll be great to watch unfold. And hell, I hope six quarterbacks go in the top nine. That'd be fantastic. But it's an interesting class overall. um, As far as, you know, some universities still aren't trending like others where it's like, hey, we're going to throw it 50 times. We don't give a crap. And you still have your holdouts and, you know, where they're trying to run more traditional, you know, old school NFL offenses where let's run it 30 times. You'll run some play action off of it. But it's an interesting class overall at the quarterback position. It's fun. There's a lot of fun quarterbacks in this class. And if you are, you know, looking at quarterbacks, be them developmental guys, or you're looking at some of the things going on in the league and you're saying, well, maybe the Browns or some other team would like some of that. So, for example, um, obviously all the, the big quarterbacks are interesting. You know, I don't know if any of them are a finished product other than maybe, uh, you know, Burrow. And even then, I think that's being generous. But you, you go down the list and you get guys like Jacob Eason who are interesting, Jordan Love's interesting, and, you know, some of those. But keep going down the list and you get to guys like, or I should say you're looking at situations like uh, the New Orleans Saints and you're going, you know, what if what if my team could get a guy like that and would they, you know, be able to use them? And, you know, there's a guy who many people thought was going to win a Heisman Trophy who could be interesting in that role, and that's Khalil Tate from Arizona, who was a whole lot of hype uh at Arizona and you know had some great moments you know for a while people were trying to make him do a point of viewing which never really happened but 
he is, you know, 6'2 and like 215 or something like that, at least listed. He may not be that big. But he's really athletic, and he can throw a little bit. And if you're trying to say, man, I could get a Taysom Hill-type quarterback, that would be interesting. And the same thing goes with if you were looking at this and you're going, well, somebody's going to try to find, you know, a Lamar Jackson-type quarterback, and you're looking at Jalen Hurts, and you're wondering, you know, can he make that transition? Uh, and then developmental guys, there's a lot of those. And there's one particular quarterback which stands out to me as a, a guy the Browns would love to get their hands on. Uh, and I'll be curious to see if uh, he gets drafted. Uh, I expect he will. And if not, or even if he does, will the Browns want to pounce on him? And that is uh, Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Well, I mean, you love the um, – in it's, you know, and we talked about Minshew last year in – well, Every year, look, and it's look at, here, look at this. His his senior year, uh, you know, he only played the one year uh, because they had Vinci last year. Um, he threw 687 passes because it's Washington State. Completed <laughs> 71 71.8 percent. Complete, you know, 8.1 yards per an attempt. 5,579 yards overall for 48 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. That is um, good stuff. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, being able to do a lot of different things and, you know, be a, be a prolific passer. And, you know, he wasn't quite as uh, good at protecting football as Mitchie was, but his yards per attempt were higher. And they obviously, you know, they, they got 800 more yards passing and another 10 touchdowns. So, you know, he's listed 6'3", 210. But the, again, this is one of those where, you know, I, I don't know if he even went to an all-star game, but uh, he's one of those that's sort of interesting to me just in terms of, you know, he, he seems to me like the perfect type of guy to sort of add to a football team. I, I don't know if he started at Washington State. I'm guessing he was a Juco guy. But in any case, if you're looking for, a, just like Minshew was last year, you're saying, well, if I could add this guy and sort of have, you know, a, another guy that sort of makes a lot of sense, in terms of trying to mold a quarterback, he, he, he stands to reason. The other wrinkle I would point out with this whole thing is obviously what's going on in the XFL. And, you know, a guy who was in the NFL, and I don't know what he wasn't uh, anymore, is obviously P.J. Walker, who I remember pointing out was really good with the Colts and thinking, why the hell are they, you know, keeping, I think at the time it was, uh, what's his face? Uh, Chad Kelly, baby. Yeah, Chad I was Kelly. Say, yeah, I was gonna say vacuum cleaner uh, part on the front. Yeah, yeah, they had kept they kept Chad Kelly over this kid, and and it was another kid that made a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what the Browns really think of in their with with their quarterback situation. If they like, uh, you know, what's going on behind Baker, Baker Mayfield, or if they're you know more inclined to go a different route for this offense. But there's a lot of interesting guys that I think. The Browns could 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 grab, and obviously one of their sort of uh, you know that chart that's been floating around again is to draft a quarterback every year. Now, will they actually draft a quarterback? They only have seven picks, uh, so they may not. But nevertheless, uh, it's you know there's a lot of fun things to sort of go out and look for. Now, I don't think that uh, you know obviously I don't think they need to go get one early, but nevertheless. So there are interesting quarterbacks that could sort of fit the mold. And, and included in that are some quarterbacks from the Big Ten who were supposed to be big deals that aren't. 
Uh, I, I mean, maybe <laughs> Brian Lewerke still has a shot to go first overall, but I don't think it's going to happen. But th- there's a bunch of Big Ten quarterbacks that will probably end up backups on the uh, Detroit Lions at some point. Ah, uh-huh. well, I don't know. They uh, they'd have to beat out a uh, you know our star from last year in the summer. They'd have to beat him out because you know there were times where he showed pretty well and put up a nice little it's run on Thanksgiving last. Big Ten quarterbacks. <laughs> um, for me, Pete, you know me, you know where I go. When we go to these, you know, middle of the class, I always fall for the sucker with a big arm. So obviously Eason's one. I still think Georgia made the wrong decision um in keeping Fromm over Eason. Um, you know, there's so some who say, oh, maybe Fromm's got that Drew Brees thing going on. And I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, but it is a fun class. Um, my alma mater, Monmouth University, has got one. He's, he will probably won't get drafted. Probably find a way to a camp. Uh, Kenjay Bahar you know, had a fantastic career, by far the best quarterback that's ever gone through there. But it's going to be fun to see how this all plays out. Obviously, you know, everybody knows the names as far as top 10 or so with, you know, uh, uh, with Burrow going one and then, you know, obviously Tua. And of course, Herbert. And however, that works out. You know, is Carolina in on a quarterback this year? Aren't they? You know, Miami. It seems really that they are predetermined and predestined that they want Tua badly. They have 14 picks. How much will they invest to securing the fact they come away from this draft class with Tua Tagovailoa? We'll see how it all plays out. Um, but it's fun. And you know, for the Browns, you know, maybe what you're saying is with bringing in Alex Van Pelt we can maybe go try to develop a second quarterback um, and Baker doesn't need, you know, somebody that he's comfortable with or a veteran. And look, it is year three. Baker is an older guy, you know, a little bit older guy now established, you know, he doesn't maybe necessarily need the backup quarterback essentially in his ear as much as, you know, maybe he needs better coaching around him, which we all agree. He needs better coaching around him. There's no doubt about that. With that, we will move on and uh, more coming here. Locked on Browns. We're going to get to uh, Pete Smith's first five of uh, the pre-combine NFL mock draft. Guys, gals, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the day when you were always ready to go, gentlemen. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the situation arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Shouldn't be. You're all just trying to get to the holy grail, so to speak. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. And get your first shipment free when you use a special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for the shipping. Again, that's blue, B-L-U-E, chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we appreciate their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. 
Pete, obviously 60-so days away or so. Number one seems pretty damn obvious. Cincinnati Bengals, Pete Smith, on the clock. Uh, go ahead and put Joe Burrow. Uh, in, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the weird cryptic stuff he's sort of saying in this whole situation, but the Bengals are, are basically telling everyone to go, go piss off when it comes to talks of trades. I mean, they've said on multiple occasions they aren't trading the pick. So, you know, maybe they'll have a, a John Elway situation or some Eli Manning or something like that, but I, but I, I tend to doubt it. So, yeah, Joe Burrow, LSU quarterback, you know, we'll see if it's, you know, if he's this past season was an indication of who he really is or if it's, you know, there's a little bit of a step back. Um, the Bengals need a hard reset. Uh, they have some pieces in place that could make sense. You know, if they're going to keep E.J. Green, uh, they've got Tyler Boyd, they've got Joe Mixon, they've got a really nice-looking left guard who's probably going to play left tackle again. Uh, hopefully he stays healthy. There's some interesting <laughs> toys on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I, I don't expect it will be, like, you know, immediately good or, you know, I, I expect there's going to be a lot of growing pains in that in that first year. But I, but it would not surprise me in the least if there are a few games where, like, they, they really start moving the ball and doing some things and, and giving you hints of what can be. They, I mean, if – Handled well, they've got a really nice little setup that could do some things. But my my fear, if I'm a Bengals fan, is you know I, I've got to somehow block Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, and whatever the Ravens are going to have, uh, since it's probably not going to be Judon, uh, sending it, them at the quarterback. Because if if you can get pressure on him, I know he's reasonably athletic, but uh, every time he gets hit, I'd be holding my breath all season. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing for me is I, I think they have enough skill in place, but, you know, and the problem, and, you know, Browns fans, you're familiar with this as well, is is you can't only do this one way. I mean, to have to just say we need to rely on the draft and hit on every pick. I mean, you're essentially, you know, you're going to a boxing match, you know, with one hand tied behind your back. And that's what the problem is. And maybe this is, you know, Burrow and his camp saying, hey, man, find a way, get some other pieces in here. And obviously, it's probably on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit more on the offensive line. You know, you're trying to put, you know, in the best position. Um, You know, yeah, he's represented by the same people who represented Eli Manning. I get that. Um, Doesn't have baseball to fall back on. You know, he's got, you know, some roots here. Um, Obviously, maybe the chips didn't fall where they may. But, I mean, you know, go one overall. Joe Burrow is going to be a rich rich young man even if he doesn't like skyline chili pete number two overall washington redskins um look you know the most popular one here and and we've talked about this where we do we think the draft starts at three um but look if you can get a second edge rusher here and just continue add to this room and you know figure out what you have in haskins but um you bring in chase young here you know, with sweat and everything else they kind of sort of have on that defensive line. I mean, at least you're giving yourself a, you know, again, a puncher's chance, I guess. Wow. I don't even know how we're going to the boxing realm here, but at least you're saying, look, man, you're going to have a hard time blocking our defensive line. And if Haskin grows like he does, we've got a shot. Yeah. This is the safest pick in the draft. Uh, you can put this one in pen. 
Chase well, they Stadium. have a little Columbus going on down there as it is anyway. So, yeah, I mean, unless you know, this is you know an Ernie Davis type situation where they find the Kenya with the kid. Chase Young is, I mean, he's everything they could possibly want, and you know, combined with what they already have, they could be an absolute nightmare in the NFC East. Uh, they're going to a forefront officially, uh, and they're going to have the kid they drafted last year, Montez uh, Sweat. Montez Sweat, who's a freak in terms of his his athletic ability. I mean, he's six six, two hundred like seventy pounds, and he really came on at the end of the year. Again, I'm, I'm, I still don't understand why people were like unsure of this kid. He was phenomenal, and now you're going to add Chase Young. You've still got uh, the other dude they have. I'm curious to see what they do there, uh, but they could end up having like one of the nastiest just nickel fronts. They may lose by 50 and kill the opposing team's quarterback. Uh, <laughs> but if you are the New York Giants, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, if you are the Dallas Cowboys, this has to terrify you because you have to come up with, with a way to block these guys or they can re- single-handedly ruin your season. Again, the Redskins may not win anything for a while, but they can still kill your quarterback. Yeah, it's um, a incredible, incredible amount that they can start bringing. And, you know, Giants are the way they are. Dallas, you know, they, you know, get to the point where the money is going to be an issue somehow, somewhere. Um, if you're Washington, look, you, you had a nice little thing going. Obviously, McLaren hit. Um, you know, you're hoping for Darius Geis for some health. Um, you got faith in Haskins. You've got that nice little Columbus crew, you know, building down in DC go ahead and bring Chase Young. And for a lot of people, Chase Young is still arguably the best player in this draft. And I won't disagree with those folks. We've said this for a while now, Pete, this draft essentially starts at three. Um, I've suggested Detroit. If you're smart here, you don't trade down once you probably trade down twice. Um, but for our intents and purposes here, Detroit's up at three. Uh, you know, if you want to flop them down two picks for now, that's fine. We're only doing the top five tonight. But, um, you know, Detroit Lions on a clock, three overall. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it doesn't change anything. I mean, the Lions are going to try like hell to induce the Dolphins to trade up more the Chargers. Personally, I don't think it matters either way. That's why I don't know. Uh, that the, the Lions have that much leverage. That said, I could be I could be completely wrong, and they could end up flipping this thing. I mean, Carolina could come up and 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 uh, scare the hell out of everybody. Regardless, wherever they get done, um, I expect they're going to take uh, Okuda from Ohio State. Uh, they they have a lot to address in Detroit. They're a perennial mediocre team despite having so much talent in certain spots. Uh, I mean, they're, they're right now they're they're dealing with uh, what's going on with Darius Slay. I mean, in perfect world, they would have Slay and Okuda as their corners and they'd be in great shape. But um, either way, you are in a division where you have to find a way to stop, you know, whatever's going to happen with Stefan Diggs. And then you've got Adam Thielen. You've got to find a way to stop Alshon Jeffrey, you know, if they find a quarterback. Uh, you've got to be able to find a way to stop passing game. They've got, you know, they they, they, they did some work to upgrade their front. Uh, last year, I, I think they're going to go to the back end and go ahead and add Okuda here. So 
you know, that would be Ohio State and the state of Ohio in general, the top three picks of the entire draft. Uh, yeah, so you go Buckeyes, you know, two out of the top three, um, includes a special player. Um, you know, the arm length seems to be there. The athleticism seems to be there. Um, there's a couple maybe trying to say maybe there's a better overall corner. If there is, I have not seen him to this point. I have not seen enough to change it. Giants at four. And as much as, you know, Detroit may be in play as far as, you know, what they can do as far as moving down where somebody's going to come up to snag a quarterback. You just look at the Giants and it's like, okay, it's the old, you know, two hands, you know, you know, under the, you know, under the jawbones, like, okay, this just could be interesting because God knows what the hell this franchise is thinking. Well, look, I mean, they have to, I mean, they drafted Daniel Jones last year and they have to protect him uh, for his sake. They obviously made the move for Zeitler last year. They've done some things to improve up front. They've got Will Hernandez. Uh, and obviously they just saw the Washington Redskins take Chase Young two picks ahead of them. So if, if they want to be that sort of power house running game with Saquon Barkley up front, uh, the, the guy that may make the most sense for them, and is some people's first offensive tackle, is Jedrick Wills from Alabama. He fits what they seem to want to be, um, I, you know, I don't know, you know, who, who or what Joe Judge intends to run there, but I have to assume he wants more hog mollies up there to help them get Saquon Barkley, be able to do some things with play action and, and, and stretch the field. But uh, Jedrick Wills, in terms of fitting with what Will Hernandez, theoretically that being the left side of your line, would be a powerful down blocking group. It can do some damage. You have Zeitler on the other side, and, and at that point you've got – you know, three pretty solid options up front uh, to sort of build your offensive line around and, and and get some improvement going forward. I mean, that makes the most sense, but it is the New York Giants. And when they drafted last year at six overall, everybody was like, oh, my God, Danny, really, 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 really just did Daniel Jones. But you need to you need to build an elite pocket for Daniel Jones because he cannot help himself. As far right now, as far as turning the ball over and the fumbles are large. And I mean, you're talking sometimes two and even possibly three times a game. You got to do everything you can to keep him clean and see how it works out from there. Um, last pick that we're going to do here tonight would be the Miami Dolphins. First of 14, 14 picks. Oh, God, they're going to be fun to watch. You know, as this draft process unfolds. But Pete, Miami Dolphins, five overall. Um, you know, they're, they're, we'll, we'll see if it changes. Obviously they're putting out a lot of stuff now that they're not sure about, you know, Tua, but they have, have a really bad poker face on this. Uh, and yes, they do. there's a ton of pressure, uh, from everyone in that franchise that has been pushing for this since they, since they tore this whole thing down. Uh, but at least for now, Maybe it changes, but I think partly uh, to because he is really talented. I, I think they're going to take to a to a to Viola or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, look, if you can keep him upright, you're in great shape. Uh, you're not in the division with a ton of pass rush, so maybe somehow you can. 
keep him upright and healthy. If he can do it, he's phenomenal. Uh, and there's just an obscene amount of talent, and you've got, you know, some passing options that could be really, really good with him. Uh, and there, there's a path for them to be pretty good. So, at least for now, I, I think they're going to go with Tua. It's yeah. I mean, I, I love your phrase of and the poker face because it it doesn't seem. And, you know, talking with guys who cover this team, it literally seems like this is it. This is going to be the next face of their franchise. Um, I don't think 13 is going to be an option, obviously. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. But, yeah, it's it, it seems just as much as Burrow at one, it does seem, you know, however it's going to work out, the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagliabola, obviously, as the next face of the franchise, so, so to speak, here. I'll start rolling on through here. A couple of listener questions here. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on Locked on Browns. Um, Guys, as soon as you've gotten this one in, um, make sure you get on over and check out. That's what B said. Brittany, uh, Bree, Meredith, they do a fantastic job. Uh, You get a lot more laughs over there. You get a lot more just the female perspective. Um, They do a great job. And maybe it's because it's the once a week type of atmosphere type of show uh, that brings some different things to it. Girls have a lot of fun. They do a fantastic job. Um, besides Lockdown Browns, it is most certainly my favorite podcast. That's what B said. iTunes, Spotify. Go ahead. Check the ladies out. They rock it out. Week in, week out. And hopefully this week they won't postpone their episode after the last time I did this. Um, so we'll roll out through here to listener questions here. And this is one we've talked about a little bit, Pete, here. Um, the wide receiver position. You're talking about two guys here commanding over $30 million. So this is from Scott Johnson. Would you try to restructure Jarvis Landry if he was amendable? If anything, if these two love each other as much as they say they do and as much as they want to be together and as much as they keep saying they want to win, if you could find any way to shave – a million or two, three, four off the cap and find other ways to move this money around. It'd be great for these two guys to do it because they really want to do it and to have $30 million tied up in two guys. It, it, it's a tough obstacle. Again, it's a lot like with Olivier Vernon. I mean, if you are trying to get a player to restructure, you have to have some teeth behind it or you're inducing them to do it for a very, very, what they would feel is a good reason trying to get Jarvis Landry to take a haircut this year just doesn't seem like it makes much sense um, for him. Like, you know, usually it's a situation where you're going to the player and you're saying, look, can you help us out? And, and, you know, we can move the money to another year. We want to be able to sign, you know, a couple, we, we, we want a couple million to be able to sign some more players to help us make a run. They're not at that position. So, it becomes really difficult to sort of sell that. And, you know, I, I think they're more likely to sort of wait until they're actually prepared to move on from him, which may be next year. Uh, but that's why I think this year they're going to have to start planning on what, uh, what life after one of them, um, and it ain't going to be Beckham, looks like. Uh, they can't, you know, like – this year, he said Jarvis Landry is set to make thirteen million. Could they 
try to go get a million dollars from him? Sure. Is that likely? No, because his next the contract next year is thirteen three, and then finally it's fifteen one. So it's it's tough for me to believe that there's any way to sort of get those contracts to uh, come down. God, that contract's awful. But uh, like I said, I think this year sets up to where you have to uh, plan for life after them or even with them. But you need to, if you're going to have those contracts like that, the rest of the wide receiver room has to be rookie deals uh, because there's just it's just not realistic to do anything else. And that's maybe where a guy like DJ Montgomery, obviously, you know, he was somebody of the old regime. If he can find a way here, that'd be fantastic. But yeah, it's, you know, that room, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be penthouse guys and it's going to be a couple of guys split in a hotel room. That's basically the only way it's going to work here. And we'll go here from Paul Spencer. Um, if it breaks well and there's more than one tackle available, and I'm not necessarily sure this front office is going to be so stone set on one particular guy or the fact that they view them all and look with them and their affinity from Kevin Stefanski, where maybe right tackle is just as important as left tackle. Essentially the trade down scenario, look, if it's two, three spots and you know, there's still maybe Derek Brown, in Kinlaw, or, you know, God forbid for all you, the Simmons hooligans, which I don't think will be there. We'll see how Pete's mock plays out in the, you know, coming, you know, coming days here. But there is that, um, Pete, this organization, and I know everybody wants to freak out about it because Sashi always did it. They're going to play every hand. And if they still think they can get their guy at 12, and especially where the Jets are at 11, and it seems like the Jets are going to let Robbie Anderson go. It seems the Jets may be a prime player at a wide receiver. They're not going to just dismiss the fact of trading down. They're not. No, and they shouldn't. I mean, if, if they do like was done when Sashi was here, which I assume they will, they basically talk to every team in the league. Uh, about trades, and that's how they got to the situation where uh, when they were in the, at that 12th pick and they moved down after Patrick Mahomes went 10th and they ended up with an extra first-round pick that became Denzel Ward, and then they moved down and got Jabril Peppers and the, uh, because, you know, Hugh Jackson didn't want uh, Deshaun Watson, that that was, you know, a month or, you know, basically from the combine, working on the groundwork to sort of make those things happen. Um, and I think that's going to happen. But that, do I expect like a, a massive trade down? I kind of doubt it. But it all depends on who's going to be there. If they have, you know, two tackles that they're in love with at the top that are off the board, or, you know, they, they, they like Josh Jones a ton and they feel like uh, they can move down and get some additional assets, they're certainly going to be amenable to do that. The, the, the key for all this is to, to make it work. You know, obviously, people are so bitter about the, the trade down from two that, you know, went to eight and then down to, you know, 15 that, that became Corey Coleman. And some of the, they didn't make enough use out of the other picks to sort of make it really well. The, the stuff I never understood is uh, the people who are mad that the Browns traded down from 12 to 20, 
24 or 22 or whatever it was, got an extra first round pick, uh, got a safety who's been better, who was, you know, through that, that point in their career was better than the one everybody wanted, which is Malik Hooker. Uh, Jarrell Peppers was better and got a corner and ultimately got the quarterback that they wanted to get anyway. So they need more, you know, if they're going to trade down, they just have to make it count. So if they're going to do that and they can, you know, add an asset, that's great. They only have seven picks. That is not where this team wants to be, whether it's there, whether it's somewhere else, they're going to find some ways to find additional assets. Does that mean trade, you know, potentially trading a player to, to get something possibly, you know, a guy like Chris Hubbard, and I know all these people laugh and go, well, who the hell would want Chris Hubbard? Who the hell would want Andy Lee for a fourth round pick? And yet it happened. Or uh, Justin Gilbert for a sixth round pick or some of the other trades, uh, you know, for they, you know, if they are as diligent as that front office was with Sashi Brown, I assume they will be. They may be able to find some of those assets that can just become things uh, down the road. And that's all you can really ask for. So I'm all for small for looking at all avenues to get this team better. And look, the other thing is, is you never close any door. You play the hand until it's over. And, you know, for all the John Dorsey lovers out there, um, Denver wanted to come to four. You could have moved out of that spot, let them come take Josh Allen to four, and maybe ended up with, uh, you know, Jairi Alexander and whatever would have come along with that. There's, you, know, you guys want to peel an onion, peel it all the way on through. I'll put a be, uh, start to put a bow here on this one. Uh, make sure you're checking out Pete uh, Pete Smith, obviously, and all the work him and the crew are doing over at SI.com. Browns Maven uh, starting to transcend, transcend, I should say, into uh, Browns Digest. Uh, make sure you're following him at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns. Always follow back account. DMs are open. Input to the show, questions you have. I'll do my best, guys. I'm trying to keep up here, but it's getting obviously it's really picking up this time of year. Um, and I thank you all for that. I'm doing the best I can. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open over there. Again, just trying to keep up with it all. Um, look, if it's really ludicrous and really insane, probably odds are it's probably not gonna happen. Um Appreciate you all here. Um, this is the time of year that Pete really enjoy. Pete and I really enjoy because it's it's not games, not X's and O's. It's just talking about something we've always been passionate about. Uh, love this time of year. Love the draft process. You know, love the team building aspect of it. Each move, some moves are some moves are good, some moves are bad. They will be judged accordingly. Um, and with that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dogbound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>